This is episode number 196, How to Know What is True, with Panita Conde. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Benita, welcome to the show. Thank you, Oleg. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for being a part of it. And thank you for, it looks like, decorating the wall prior to our conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Just for this. I I love seeing just different things like that because I think to a degree when there is intention, they are good representations of who the person is and what they believe in and what they align in. So for me, um, not right now, but typically when I'm able to record from my I guess you could say somewhat permanent place. I have a plaque on the wall and it's, it's a story that was written by me or on about me. And it's uh, the title of it's called the power of your story, Mm. which at this point in my life, like I'm, I'm genuinely as close to a hundred percent believe in that. Like, I think that's really what is, I believe that's the thing that really transformed my life is the story that I told myself internally. Yep. You know, regardless of what the circumstances and obstacles were, um, the topic that you and I wanted to discuss revolves around this concept of truth. Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to maybe begin this conversation is actually asking you the question of what is truth? Mm. What does it mean to for a certain thing to be true? Yeah. So, and this has come up a lot, I think, in the collective and the collective consciousness um, as the collective consciousness I feel and believe is rising. And so as it's doing so, and people are becoming more aware of their own unique, infinite truths, you can see how the systems and structures that have been given weight in terms of believing those are the truth are cracking, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you're able to see through what isn't so true now. And so that it's, that theme has come up a lot for me from that context, but in the last, I mean, I've been on a very, you know, um, 
winding spiritual journey my whole life, but it's been much more intense the last three years. And that question has come up a lot. Like, what is my own truth? And, or, or what did I believe that has been proven untrue? And that's, I think, the way in which we can play with then understanding more and more of our truth is to look at where we have limiting beliefs, lack beliefs. So I'll give a really specific example because I think it's super helpful. When I was working, so I worked in the advertising industry for many years, for 17 years in various different roles, like managing creative people, recruiting creative people for that industry. And I came to believe I was a certain type of person based on those roles that I played because that information was being reflected back to me from that industry, from mm -hmm. those roles I played and the people that I worked with would reinforce that, oh yes, this is who you are and this is what you do. And I made a decision to leave that world, like working full-time for those types of organizations three or like three and a half years ago now. And when I did, and I started working with coaches who were very helpful in me exploring other parts of myself within a matter of a couple of months. So these were the beliefs. I'm not creative in my own right. I, the thought of having my own business or like being entrepreneurial was super triggering. I'm better at supporting others and their vision, um, those types of things. And I said all of that out loud to my coaches who were supporting me through this process. And they just sort of nodded and were like, okay, let's go do this other thing. <laughs> go dance. I started dancing again. I'm a former professional ballet dancer and I hadn't taken class in 20 years and it was eating at me. Like I just really wanted to try it, but I was afraid. So I went and did things like that. And that immediately reminded my whole being that I'm creative wait, I'm a creative being. I've been creating with my body in this art form since I was three years old. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't like a rational thought of remembering, but like my whole body remembered that truth. Like that's a truth. And that came back and there was ease and it felt good. So then like two months later, all of a sudden I'm creating a company. I came out of a meditation that I would create this coaching platform and approach and consulting approach. And all of those limiting beliefs went away for me to be able to do like, it, it like almost, it felt like it happened like in a moment, there was like a dial shift of the lack beliefs falling away. Oh, wait, they're not true. My truth is that I am creative and I absolutely am excited to start my own business. And I am, I have a vision and, you know, of my own that I can bring into the world and help support and be of service to others from that place. And so those moments for me where I've seen the limiting beliefs fall away really show me aid the power of belief and that yeah. those that feel contracting and those that have suffering associated with them are not true. And so that's where I've really been playing with continuing to understand more and more of my own truth. Do you believe there is such thing as a limitation? You know, because I've heard very, like I've a heard, true limitation versus a belief in a limitation. <laughs> that's a that's a great distinction there. Um, but I, I've heard so many different theories on limitations. And mm -hmm. the, the most recent one that I believed in, which recently was, uh, I guess you could say shattered. And <laughs> I love that. so now I, I don't really know what to believe at that <laughs> point. But the, the latest one I believed in was the only limit is you. Okay. But the theory that I heard around that is that even in that situation, 
with you being the only limit. I'm assuming it's more along the like, whatever you set as the limit for yourself, that becomes a limitation. Yeah. But then in those situations, I realized that to a degree, because those limits evolve, is there really a like concrete, tangible limit that exists? Or are we always, well, not we, but is an individual always operating in an unlimited capacity? Such a beautiful question. So my understanding of this and my experience with this is that from like a law of nature perspective, from like Mm -hmm. a universal infinite truth perspective, we are not limited. We have infinite choices. We have infinite like ability to express ourselves through our free will. And then yes, the, where we do experience limitation is from the subconscious and constructed self and critical self and limiting beliefs and all the things that like we kind of come to believe create limitation for us. Where I will say there's a nuance here is that it's not infinite potential, you know, infinite, um, uh, like truth and experiences available to all of us from a place of our blueprint. I think we do all each then come in with a unique blueprint into like the physical form and the physical life that we're living in this moment in time that has um, unique traits to it that we do play out that are like a part of who we are. So Mm -hmm. like I, I know, and that comes down to understanding preference and intuition and your truth in terms of excitements in your life and following those. So like, I just know that like, for instance, math is not particularly exciting to me. Have I gotten better at it over the years? Have, is it a useful tool in my life? Right. There's a lot of us in that club, I think. Right. But for some, right. It's very available and very much a part of their blueprint and super exciting. And right. So like, am I going to go be a, you know, engineer or a scientist, right? No, like that's not in my blueprint. And so that's not part of like my infinite potential mm-hmm. because it's not and like in alignment with my unique blueprint, but within my unique blueprint and within the things that are available to me and that are exciting to me, there is infinite, infinite potential there. So here's another one for you that kind of ties into this whole concept of infinite potential and the uniqueness that each one of us possesses. Mm -hmm. This is a question that I explored for quite some time. And that's this concept of, are we all born with a certain capacity for things? You know, when we talk about like empathy, connection, Mm -hmm. and some of these things, because what my experience has taught me to this point is I believe many of these skills that make me who I am today, and the things that I believe to be true about myself, I believe I learned many of them. Mm. Now, maybe I had seeds, or certain elements of that self that Mm -hmm. were available to me. Mm -hmm. But I get curious in that, because oftentimes, when I hear statements such as, you know, we all need to do this, or we should all do that. (laughs) It really gets me curious as far as well, do we even all have the capacity to step into that space. Mm. You know, we all need to love each other. Do we all have a seed of love within us? What are your thoughts on that? Like, do do, Mm. how do you understand what each one of us is born with when it comes to that capacity 
are we all born with an equal playing field? And then over time, you know, our experiences allow us to shift within that mm. space? Or are we all truly born unique, where one might have that element of love and the other one may not? That's another beautiful question. I haven't really go into the essence of humanity. Right, (laughs) right. What does it mean to be human? (laughs) We dove right in. I love it. I love this about you, Oleg. Um, Well, I have an interesting perspective on it that has shifted over time, especially after having a child. So I have an 11-year-old son. And I think I would have had a different answer to this question prior to having a child and seeing who he was at birth and now being able to watch him develop over these 11 years and, you know, evolve and shift and grow and learn things, but also be very much the essence of who he was when he came into this world in physical form. So, I mean, ultimately, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, really on, right? I was like, wait, I have to be really humble and honest about this, right? I do not know the answer to that question. But I do believe from both my own personal experience and the experience of being a parent, you know, and like sort of being a shepherd for this being in the world is that there's like an essence of who we are in our spirit, in our soul, in our blueprint, whatever you want to call that, that is hard to describe (laughs) about our uniqueness that we come in with and whether that's how much of that is genetic and how much of that is the unexplainable Mm -hmm. element of spirit and consciousness that I don't know. Um, and I'm not an expert in, but from there, then I think there's a magical combination of the playing out of that uniqueness and that blueprint and what we do bring in. And like some of that will then lead back to your, um, you know, pointer about, um, capacity and like Mm -hmm. what we come in with and maybe what we don't. And then that magical combination of experience. And like what, who we are put in contact with, who become our parents, our family, our chosen family, our, you know, like all of these other things that we then navigate through in life become that magical alchemy for maybe, maybe there was less capacity for something, but some very dramatic or powerful event happens in our life. And then that capacity is actually awoken. Mm. I don't know. I think it's Mm -hmm. a combination of the two, but that I do feel we come in very uniquely who we are because my son Mm -hmm. has very much been who he is from the minute he emerged. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Cause I get, I get curious about that concept of uniqueness. And the thing that gets me interested is that in my opinion, that's a concept that's not celebrated and acknowledged oftentimes. And I, I wonder if the other concept of believing that everyone enters the world with the same capacities is just a belief that I was conditioned to believe because otherwise, if everyone truly comes into the world with their own unique abilities, then that might be seen as a advantage versus disadvantage. But in reality, that's like, that's not really it. You know what I mean? Like, you can go out on the dance floor and dance. And I know for a fact that I do not have that capability. So it doesn't really, it's hard to say that you're better and I'm worse in that case because I don't have that skill. 
Well, I think that, and this touches on a really important point, and it's coming up a lot again in the collective right now, mm-hmm. is this idea of, well, somebody said it to me so beautifully. I have it up on a sticky note on my wall, so you'll see me look up on my wall. But like the evolution of independent thinking, independent being, like I'm an individual, like sort of the Renaissance and this, like I should pull myself up by my bootstraps and like be my own self-made person. And that conditioning in culture, I think really has led to a sense of like, I think what some would argue maybe is like, oh, healthy competition, right? Like fuels innovation or um, productivity or whatever. Right. What I'm really coming to find, right? So that that idea that there's sort of this level playing field and we all come in with like certain abilities and then these other things affect them or don't, then leads to this like sense that everybody should be evaluated against similar systems and structures. Mm. And that then create breeds the sense of competition and competition breeds shame. Mm-hmm. because there's this sense that there's this neutrality around certain systems and structures that we're evaluated against in life and either like we're good or bad or we have it or we don't. And oh my God, how limiting is that? Yeah. And untrue. So talking about truths. One way or the other. Yeah. The biggest untruths, like maybe it has worked for productivity and efficiency and making people a lot of money, but has it worked in terms of really truly seeing each being for who they are and then celebrating that uniqueness? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, touch a little bit up on this point that you mentioned a couple of times now, and it's the whole thing of being able to sense the collective. Mm. <laughs> how do you how how do how can you tell the difference, personally speaking, when it's the collective that's elevating? compared to your own individual consciousness mm. or awareness? Awesome question. <laughs> um, there's a few different ways I touch in on that, but I'm also very aware that I am still processing all of that through the lens of my experiencing, right? Which is ultimately always going to be, I think, a bit limited, even though I make a conscious effort through various different aspects, which I'll share to expand beyond what I am seeing as my own experience Mm -hmm. and know that that's not the only one. Obviously there's billions out there. Um, A couple ways. So one way in which I feel I touch in on a sense of the collective is by working with all of the clients that I work with and then the various different organizations that I work with. And then, so collecting um, a broader sense of multiple beings and organizations narratives and you start to get a sense of a feel of certain themes that seem to be emerging or certain similar circumstances across like what would normally maybe be seen as very divergent or different groups. And you're like, oh, wow, but that's happening there and it's happening there. And I see. Mm-hmm. So I'd say through the personal lens of connection, but with a broader spectrum and really looking at it from a thematic place rather than through the individual lens of that unique being, but then, oh, wow, look, there's like that same theme is popping up in these like different places. Um, I look at and explore different points of view and different voices. I'm very aware of the um, filtering factor of the algorithms of social media. So trying to see through all of that and not believing any of that is truth. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is a piece. It's, it's obviously incredibly distorted. And then through the less tangible, and that is through meditation, through trusting intuition, through sitting quietly with oneself and just hearing the messages come through. And again, I'm humbly saying that that is certainly filtered through my own levels of consciousness and experience. But um, those are sort of the three ways I would say I touch in like from a more broader messaging, what are we hearing and seeing from the world perspective? What then themes am I seeing repeat through the specific interactions I'm having with a broad spectrum of people? And then my own heart, like touching in Mm -hmm. with like what's, and oftentimes I feel things that are not happening to me personally and being able to discern that. Like in my circumstantial experience today, everything's, (laughs) there is no heaviness. Maybe there's nothing to be concerned or to feel like the weight of. And sometimes I'll wake up with a huge heavy weight and I'm like, oh, that's not mine. Like that's not specific to me personally and what's going on in my circumstances because I can be discerning about that. Oh, that's a broader whether it's cosmic, whether it's the collective, but we are all connected with one another energetically. And what do you so do? what do you do in those circumstances when you do wake up with someone else's weight on your shoulders? Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, pointer. So multiple things, depending on the day, mm-hmm. sometimes it's exercise. Sometimes I feel like I need to really move through. Um, sorry. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, at home with everybody working That's in school, <laughs> um, I will need to move it through my body. So running for me personally, obviously that's different for everybody, but physical activity is one way where I feel like I can process that one. Like I know it's not mine. And so I want to honor it and like allow it to be there, but maybe shift it for the day. Do you acknowledge I, it? Like when you run, yeah. like what, what does that mean? Run it through the body. Um, that I wake up with the feeling, I acknowledge it like, wow, Mm -hmm. this is happening to me, but like, uh, I'm feeling like I could process that through. Like, I don't need to like hold it and sit with the weight of it because that might not allow me to be of most service in my day. So acknowledging it, not pushing it away or being fearful of it. And then as I run and I usually put some good inspiring music on, it, it moves very quickly through my system. Interesting. Just by the sheer act of literally moving my body. There's a great saying in sober communities. I've been sober for a long time, move a muscle, change a thought, you know, so the heaviness feeling of the collective can turn into a limiting thought that is, Mm -hmm. oh, there's something wrong with me. Why am I feeling down today? Uh Uh-oh. And then that could turn into a spiral of negativity for the day, or it can be, oh, wow, I'm feeling this. I don't think it necessarily belongs to me. I can go do something that's uh-huh. like in my toolkit of self-care that might help shift it. Or there have been some days though, where it has felt heavy enough that it's like, I'm going to lay down <laughs> and just be with it and allow it and not have to have to change it. That's something I want to be really clear about is not this idea of if we're feeling um, a, something that's not our preference, <laughs> let's say like the lower, heavier emotions or feelings, not always having to shift it or change it either. Like there's this reflexive sense of like, oh, I don't want to feel this way. So sometimes it's just laying down and taking a nap. It might be a phone call to someone to process it. 
I've got wonderful coaches, advisors, friends, supports in my life where I can say, I'm, something feels off and heavy today. Can I chat with you about that? Sure, I'm feeling it too. This is what my experience is with it, right? And so that I would say basically using a set of tools depending on what feels appropriate for that heaviness. Hmm. You know, you, you bring up a really interesting point and that is this whole concept of the attitude and the mindset, because that's something I recently been curious about. And that's, you have a thought, let's say I have a negative thought. And I believe I've been probably conditioned to believe that once you have a negative thought, the whole point is that you have to be able to transform that into a positive. Hmm. But what I started to question is like, who's to say that the positive is the end of the road? Nice. Who's to say that like, that's the ultimate goal? Yep. And it really got me curious as far as are there situations in life where it's not about the transformation from mm -hmm. negative to positive? What if there are certain situations in life where it, it literally is, as you described, just sitting there ob observing it and not trying to reframe it That's right. into another way or yeah, it's just, that was another thing that I, I thought about is like, where did that notion come from that once I have a negative thought, I have to transform it into a positive. Who's to say that I can't sit with it? Yeah. Well, I think part of that really comes from like our biology and then the hu human nature, I guess, in terms of um, not wanting to feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Like that real desire to not feel those things because it's just uncomfortable. Right. So like not being able to, um, uh, like you said, I think maybe you use the word neutral, but to not label it. Mm. That's what you said. Right. So if we don't label it as good or bad, cause I think that's what happens, right. The heavier, darker, feelings and experiences get labeled as bad or worse. Or I think sometimes they're seen on a spectrum as being lower or down. Uh -huh. We want to move up and certainly it can feel that way energetically and vibrationally. But what if it's all just one experience? Exactly. Like emotion is just one experience. It happens to fall in the spectrum of different experiences, but if it's not good or bad and it just is, well, then, yeah, I might be feeling uncomfortable, but that can just be interesting rather than labeled and then becomes the lack of belief and then becomes like kind of scary or you yeah. create suffering, right? Like, oh, I'm just feeling something. I don't prefer it. <laughs> I would rather it not be the case. But if I allow it, and this is, I think, the most powerful place where I've experienced like the most um, efficient healing in my life is if I allow it rather than resist it and try to like transmute it into like feeling better mm. and, and just like let it be there, I find it actually processes through much more quickly than the resisting it and the really looking at it from like, um, why is this happening to me place rather than a like, oh, I created this and it's neutral and it's interesting and I can yeah. be with it and it will, it will pass. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and he mentioned a similar thing to what you just described. And we we're talking about anger. And he said, when you feel mm -hmm. angry, just acknowledge it. Like you will actually acknowledge by verbalizing I'm angry. Yep. And somehow in that moment, I just realized that like, there's probably a lot of power and truth within that. 
instead of acknowledging, you know, I'm enraged because that's kind of the next year, you're, I'm able to acknowledge it as close to the source as possible. Yep. Because within anger, I think there still lies a choice. Oh, yeah. To change direction. You know, if it's like rage, like the pot has already boiled over. Yep, yep, yep. There's a couple layers I, I have to get through in order to get to the source. Yep. That, that like self-awareness, that ability to, let's say you end up in that enraged place a few times and you're like, like I'm becoming aware that I don't want to go there anymore. Yeah. And let's say somebody introduces that incredible tool, which is like, once you just feel the initial anger, cause that usually comes first possibly and say it, Oh wow. There's this like diffusing element to that. Okay. That's amazing then, you know, you have like a more positive outcome of that experience, right? And then like, oh, I can use that as a tool the next time. And then maybe down the road, you see it now as it's happening in the buildup rather than even mm. getting to that anger point. Not that we can't or shouldn't feel anger. I think that that's very valuable information to have when we do get hit, you know, something that triggers us in terms of anger. But I've just found this really beautiful process, at least in my own life happening, like the more there is really honest acknowledgement of like that root feeling that you're talking mm -hmm. about, whatever it is, and just being like, oh, right, that's what's happening right now. Okay. And I didn't have that at certain points in my life. Like that took curiosity and like wanting to know and wanting to navigate things differently and then becoming more aware and then having tools and then using them and then seeing their benefit. Do you think curiosity comes to you in stages? Like there are points in, in your mm. life. I'm, I'm learning that now, mm. you know, right now I'm very much invested into learn, learn, learn. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how many different books I'm reading, but I'll <laughs> also tell you that there were stages where I did not pick up a single book. Yep. And so I'm wondering if all of those things, just like anything else comes in seasons. Yeah. Waves is the word that's coming for mm -hmm. me. I've really experienced it in waves in my life, like periods of like intense curiosity around yeah, learning, like from outside sources coming in to then integrate into what feels aligned in my own truth. Um, and then like periods of that being very intense and then periods of needing to let that integrate, like mm. where you're like, okay, I can't take like it might not be a conscious thought of like, I can't take any more information in, but I've just gone through a period. I've maybe only read a couple books in the last year or so, maybe three or four books or something. And I used to be a voracious reader, right? So like to hear you talk about like, how many books am I reading yeah. right now? Like, so there've been periods where like that modality of taking in information has felt really aligned and powerful and like exciting, right? So I, I it's like you almost can't stop because you're in it and you're excited about it. But then really honoring the periods where for whatever reason, like that's not calling to you. That's another place where the mind can get tricky and be like, why am I not reading? Like what's right. wrong with me? That's a thing I should do because that's whatever the belief is that you identify with about that activity. So allowing the freedom for these waves to come across everything we've been talking about. Yeah. Like feelings, emotion, processing, curiosity, taking in information. Like it's not static or constant. It, it's always shifting and flowing. And that comes back again to truth. Like, oh, what's my truth about this right now? I'm not feeling particularly excited about that. And I don't have to judge it. Mm -hmm. 
and the mind can get busy with that for people, let's say in corporate jobs or, but, but I just have to do these things. <laughs> like, yeah. even though I'm not very excited about them. And then that would be my big question that I would pose. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you really? And if you walk it all the way back, you don't, you have free will and you have a choice to create. How do you personally, do you reframe that in your mind? The have to, to get to? All the time. Like if I'm feeling a have to or a should all the time, I ask, do I really? Or if I'm feeling like I have to, but I really actually want to do the thing, but I'm like feeling the pressure of it for whatever reason or some contraction around it, really looking at, is it linked to a intrinsic desire, like an intrinsic excitement? And there's just like mm. a piece of it like a tactical component that's like not my favorite thing, but it's really linked to a truth or an excitement. Well, if that's the case, then it's a quick um, like flip that switches. A sw yeah, a switch that flips. <laughs> that's hard to say. <laughs> a switch that flips to, oh wait, I'm creating this. I created this. I actually, I want this. I may not like this one component of something that's like more administrative or whatever, but you know what? It's connected to this higher truth and of being of service to others or whatever it might be. And then that moves me past feeling like a should or a kind of feeling like a, a victim of my own circumstance. I feel mm -hmm. like that's where the shoulds and the have tos can come from sometime. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain that mindset? So here's why I asked that. I'm naturally creative. Mm -hmm. I, I love to create things. And I've learned this about myself that where there becomes a point where I'm not creating anything new or mm -hmm. anything that's perceived as new. I just abandon that and I like yep. move on to the next thing. Yep. And so I transition between projects. And what I realized over time, especially when it comes to building organizations, it's that at the very beginning, for me, there has been a lot of excitement because everything about it is new. But then there becomes a point where it's just like, okay, all I have to do is X, Y, and Z in order to maintain it you know, the structure of it. Yep. And that's where the, the excitement and the curiosity loses. And I have to look elsewhere to be yep. able to fulfill that space. But I, I get curious in someone like your perspective, what have you learned about yourself when it comes to that? Like, are you a creative individual? And then when that, that new thing loses its shape, mm -hmm. what happens then? Do you abandon the project? Do you move on to something else? So I've got an interesting combination of characteristics or like parts of my blueprint in relation to that. Mm -hmm. I love, I do love new and new creating with like a core foundational, like scaffolding that stays, there's some aspects of consistency and, um, I think it comes from my ballet days and maybe just like I was saying early on about my son, like I think it might, I maybe just came into the world with it, like liking um, like a system or a structure. I hate those words. That's why I like scaffolding, but that like works for me and honoring that and allowing that to be there. But then that creates space around me for new creations to come in. So I co-create with a lot of different people. I'll create a talk or a workshop or, um, I'm actively supporting another company as it's being founded at the moment. And so that's creating a whole new sense of excitement. But the core for me of my working with individuals and creative businesses and coaching and every new client is new for me. So mm -hmm. like there's ways in which it's constantly new. And then there's this like little 
scaffolding in the middle um, or at the core that creates some consistency for me that just like quiets a part of my mind then. That's like, oh, this is my process and this is how it works. And it's been wonderful to be able to create that and choose it for myself, having my own business and not being beholden to somebody else's. <laughs> so it's a little it, bit of both for me. Do you find it difficult to sustain then at that point mm -mm. or beyond the creation? To sustain which, which part? What, what you've created without no. having the need to like create more, create newer things. It feels like it comes to me. Like this, this whole construct of create radical love has been open enough that a new partnership with an organization will come. And it, it hmm. just feels like it just shows up because it was like an openness and an alignment. And obviously then if I engaged with them and I felt it wasn't in alignment or, you know, laddered up or into my calling, then I would just let that go. And then the next thing appears and you're like, oh, well, now I get to create here. The two people who I'm supporting in terms of this new company being founded, I literally, I met them at a panel discussion. Like, it's like the universe just put us together. And I was like, this, this <laughs> next new exciting path. Awesome. I want to know these people. I want to support them, ultimately ending up working with them in various different ways. And it really, it's like, you're in alignment, you show up to something, you follow your intuition, which is like, I want to know those people and I'm going to pursue that. You take yeah. those aligned actions and then the new creation is right there. There's not like an active pursuing of, oh, I must do something new now. Yeah. And then like doing that from the mind, I don't find that that, that, that process doesn't happen for me. It's very much about like, and if I'm feeling muddled or unclear, like right now at the end of the year, I'm feeling like, I don't know what the next creation will be for create radical love. And maybe I'm feeling a little like, what will that be? So there is probably Tension, a yeah. part of me that's a little like something new. I'm feeling the excitement for something new, but I don't know what, and it's about getting quiet and not trying to actually manufacture it, but like some quiet space, maybe some more meditation. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off at the end of the year and then something will emerge. Wow. <laughs> Those are some great words of advice. Uh, when wisdom to pass on at, to myself, as I'm listening to this, ironically enough, I will be taking two weeks off towards the end of the year. So I have no idea how you knew that. Um, <laughs> but, but you are literally spot on, actually, seriously, day for day, exactly 14 days. Um, Beautiful. One last thought for those that are listening and are wanting to learn more about your work, anything that you have coming up, what is the best way to do that? Um, really just to go to my website, I would say, which is just createradicallove.com. There's um, multiple places where you can just click on the contact me um, form and send me a note. I'm happy to talk about any of this. I love it. It is my um, most fulfilling experience in life is to have conversations like this with others who are fascinated and interested and curious. Um, so really, that's the easiest way. I'm also on Instagram at uh, Benita underscore Condi. You can message me there as well. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, 
consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.